0: Life, Her, Life, Podcast. Hey,
1: Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United, we. everyone. I am Yvette Lloyd, host of Life Her Podcast. We have an amazing guest with this amazing book that she have out right now. And I'm quite sure you guys are going to love it, too. Her name is Karen Joy, and her book is called Diary of a Pimp's Wife. And, you know, we all love a good book and a true story book at that. So Karen is here with us today. Hey, Karen, how are you? Hi. Hello, you get- it's nice um, that you're sharing your platform with me. Thanks for having me. Yes. Thanks for coming on tonight. It's such a odd notice from the things that I went through before when we was supposed to initially have it. So I appreciate you for the reschedule. Absolutely. <laughs> so first and foremost, I want to know the Karen before you becoming a pimp's wife and all the lifestyle that you were living. Cause I know you was born and raised with your parents, but you thought you guys were rich, but not you guys were poor. <laughs> hood rich. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you, hood know, rich. You, you figured out that y'all was hood rich. So how was life like for you to not really notice that? Well, when you live in, I lived in the city
0: and uh, growing up in the early the 70s. It was just about, you know, we just had fun in the streets. You know, we were able, it was during the time when hip hop first started, we were in the parks and, you know, dancing and, you know, just outside, just enjoying life outside. So we didn't really know much. And as I mentioned, my dad, he actually, he owned his own business, but he also worked nine to five. So pretty much any of the things that I wanted at the time, he would, you know, afford me little things. I wanted little fur coats or whatever. And it wasn't much that we wanted for then. We didn't have things like computers, like this technology today where things is like a $1,000 for computers, laptops, you know, things that they're giving children now. We just had like little skelly tops. We would go outside and play in the park. So we didn't want for much. So I didn't really realize that I didn't have much. And then I, you know, I had some friends and stuff that had rich parents. So they would take me on little excursions and stuff like that. So I had the best of both worlds.
1: Wow. So I know early on, you got more involved into the industry and everything and started working with different celebs and helping them get their careers off the ground and everything. What inspired you to get into that?
0: I think growing up in the Bronx, it was all around me. You know, some of the people that actually um today are moguls in the game. They, you know, started out, like I said, they were just DJing in the parks and then they We went from the disco era into rap. You know, they were MCs at the time and, you know, doing their little parties and stuff. And then it just kept developing the the art form until it became an actual business. We just went along with the flow of things. Like I was working with artists like Africa Bambada and DJ AJ, God Bless the Dead and Busy B, and they were just MCs in the park. And I would work work the doors for them and so on and so forth. And then, you know, it just kept developing over the years, growing up in the Bronx. That's where, you know, hip hop and rap started.
1: Right. right. So right. as time progressed, was it your mother and father end up separating? They pretty much just had like a love affair for the okay. most part. Right. Okay. And that's when you went you end up meeting A Z. Well, A Z came along a little after that. I went okay. to
0: college i was initially with um which is in the book but i've just touched on it briefly i moved out to long Island, and uh i was engaged with a police officer he was a little rogue you know everybody wanted him he was uh you know in demand because he had a you know nice looking gentleman with a good job and everything so he cheated that's in the book i don't want to give away too many spoilers right, and right. then you know i was i had a normal lifestyle prior to that i went to college and everything. And then, as you know, life throws you curveballs. You know, I get rid of this. They call it the 80-20 rule. You get rid of an 80% man, then you get a 20% thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and it's crazy because as I read the book and just seeing, like, different things of who you are and who AZ was, you guys are two opposites.
0: Absolutely. Don't they say that usually attracts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how we got there. I don't even yes. know. Yes,
1: and it, and it seemed like you just formed some type of attachment and protection and, you know, loyalty and it just, you done form so many personalities while being with him due to <laughs> you just being a upstanding woman. Thank just, you. Just being who you are. Yeah. And that's something that most women do mm-hmm. we find ourselves gravitating and, and building a connection with men like that yeah and, sadly yeah and then we end up going through the things that they put us through <laughs> yeah. yeah the
0: relationship initially formed because i probably wouldn't even have got involved in that just if it was just a normal normally just going into a relationship it started as a business relationship initially if you saw right. that we were both um, interacting with Mr. Cheeks, and right. uh, we were bumping heads on every you know level, you, you know we were always arguing over the right path to take because he had a different vision coming from his background than I did, you know about how business should be run. We were all in a team, and uh, you know, some kind of way our opposites attract.
1: Yeah. Did. So when that moment hit you. You know, a lot of times us as women, we see red flags in the beginning, but we ignore them. Right. So of I noticed one of your red flags when you should have just left is when the guys came to your house looking for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, actually, I don't want to give way too much spoilers, but at that point, he wasn't really there. Remember, he was somewhere else. and yeah, I was-, he was somewhere else, but you still was like, uh Trying to be um we have a we have a maternal instinct, you know. Yeah. With the maternal instinct, you know, we're always trying to be nurturing and helping. And that's pretty much how I got drawn down the wrong path. You yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> Messing with like the baby boy factors.
1: Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. So what are some of the things you learned? I don't want to say too much of what I read, but what is the, some of the things you learned with dealing with men? Because you, you were young. You, yeah. were, you were young at the time. So, you know, in today's society, we have a lot of, it's different. <laughs> it's yeah. totally different now. Women, they carry themselves the same, but at the same time, they don't. A lot of their morals is just out the window, period. But what is the difference that you see from back then and now? as far as the women carrying themselves?
0: Well, like I said, for the most part, it seems like society has made us more independent. Some kind of way, a lot of of our men, you know, especially, I would say, Black men, they're in jails, you know, so that breaks up the family structure. So if we still want to try to gravitate towards them, we're dealing with So much of the stuff that, you know, society puts upon them and not everybody in jail is actually guilty, but it's like they take them away and then they put, you know, some of the women that's not so ambitious as far as being entrepreneurs or, you know, in that structure, they put the women into social aspects like uh, the welfare system. So it kind of like messes up our whole family structure and we're trying to, you know, trying to stay together, trying to have the families and, you know, and the children and build together. But it's, you know, so fragmented at this point. In comparison, because at, at one point they used to call women gold diggers because the men were higher up, you know, higher up. Now it's kind of shifted where the women are, you know, going to college and they're they're getting the better jobs and stuff. And then the men are in jails and they come out and they don't have they have felonies. You know, they don't have the same chances. So they're living with you. And they, like that's where that baby boy syndrome is developed. And, it's, you know, it's just sad how it's shifted from like back in the day.
1: Yes, it, it shifted a lot. It did. A lot. Now I know you were surrounded by different things as far as pimping, prostitution, sex trafficking, entertainment, stripping. (laughs) You were surrounded by a lot of that. What was what was your mindset back then, just seeing that and experiencing it and knowing is right and is wrong at the same time at, at that moment.
0: It was actually kind of mind blowing while I, you know, while I was somewhat in the lifestyle and going through it, it was like I was trying to help, help the young ladies. And I couldn't see, you know, I saw that they were young for the most part. Most of them that's in that lifestyle and stripping or in adult entertainment and stuff like that, they're, they're swayed for different reasons into that lifestyle. You know, some of the cohorts, some of them are coerced by pimps some of them do it because they come from a, a you know a family where they you know they need the money I just thought that they needed a lot of help and that's what kept me around them thinking that i could actually help them out of the lifestyle show them something different because like i i came from a different background and I could show them other things and I helped them with different things that they just didn't know outside of that world that just kept me around thinking that i'm helping but it's not much help that you could do for, I'm trying to educate them in, you know, in terms of this book now. That's why I wrote the book, Diary okay. of the Truth Life. I don't know if people could see this, over, over. <laughs> but yes, that's why I wrote the book. And I put a, you know, a lot of things in there to help young ladies and educate them about that world. Yeah. I think, uh, God brought me to it to bring me through it. I think he used me as a, a tool to bring this out to the world.
1: What was one of the experiences that you witnessed and your mind, you just shifted to a point like, man, this ain't right. I gotta, I gotta really help this girl get out of this situation because you will see a lot of things.
0: You do. The most, I, I would say, I just saw so much over time. And it just, after a while, it just, it, it gets, it gets somewhat numbing. You know, initially, like if you're just walking in off the street and you're seeing it, it's like, wow explosive but if you know things happen to us gradually so step by step you get deeper and deeper in the trenches and before you know it it's not actually normal but it becomes somewhat normalized like you just become kind of numb to situations you know you know you're going through it like in a trance that's the best way i could you know describe it but looking back on it and documenting it, that's why I started like uh, taking ex- excerpts out of what I was seeing and I started documenting it because I knew it wasn't normal and I just, it was unbelievable to me. So I, that's how I started formatting the book. That's why it's called Diary of a Pimp's Wife. It was somewhat a memoir between 2008 and 2013 and with a cautionary tale in between.
1: Wow. So in what ways you feel that your book will actually help women overcome different things by reading it? Well,
0: I I put a lot of things that they can look, a lot of I tried to educate them on what to look for and what to try to avoid. And actually the lifestyle in in itself is hard because like you know, everybody likes a strip club but nobody actually wants their daughter to be a stripper. And we can see why, like it's, it's somewhat similar to being a drug dealer. They fall to the same pitfalls from like drug addiction, jail, and unfortunately even death. So, you know, I mean, I don't see much after they get to a lifestyle like that. I don't see much that, you know, a positive path that they could follow.
1: What type of conversations should women look for? Because a lot of men can manipulate and smooth out a conversation to make the young women that way. But they play a lot of mind games and it creates confusion if it's real love and if it isn't. Well,
0: you you said it best. It's, it's quite difficult for a child. It's quite difficult for a child to be able to. They shouldn't even be in that category. Where they're, like, for example, with the strip clubs, most of these girls are from the ages, let's just say from 18 to 24. Most of these men that's going in there are much older. So they're not even really unprepared to you know, for the, for what's going to come at them. So they already know that they're playing in the devil's playground. You know, it's like you're playing with fire. It's just like with drugs, you know, not to take this stuff because after a while it's going to be something that you can't control. And it's pretty much the same thing with these men. They already know how to manipulate them. The whole system pretty much is against them because from the customers going in that are much older than them, the clubs in themselves, the way that they're structured, it's totally against the labor laws because they're not even paying these girls. So they're throwing them little dollars, and some of them actually have to survive off of that and hold down a household because a lot of them are there because they don't have anywhere else to go. And this is their way of earning income. And they're not really earning an income. And that's what brings them, that's what blurs the lines between strippers and going into that sex trafficking or prostitution.
1: Wow. So, sex trafficking it can necessarily not come from a person that is a pimp, right? But it can also come from women sex trafficking other women, mm-hmm. touring a man, and different things of that nature. Could you educate women a lot more on how sex trafficking go? Because some of them get it confused on different things, and they just think it's a wh- a person in a white van and that's it. <laughs> but it's so much more different ways sex trafficking can happen besides you just walking and getting caught. It's, it's pretty much like
0: you said, it's just pretty much selling, selling yourself, selling your body for money. So that's a form of it. And there's other different forms where they capture you and, you know, where you're captured and there's children. And, you know, it's, it's, it's different levels to it, for sure. But prostitution is a form of sex trafficking. Not much has changed. It's the oldest profession in the world. I documented a time between 2008, and 2013, but it was going on before that and it's still continuing. And because they want to keep them, they want to keep these girls somewhat in a, in a fog. They want to keep them somewhat in the fog so they could keep the system going just as it is, because they're not capitalizing much at all. They could, you know, traffic themselves in a sense, you know, sell their own bodies for sex. But for the most part, the system is strategically set up so that they're the ones on the bottom of the totem pole, even though it looks like they're getting the most money. Either someone's taking it from them or, as you know, there's no there's no pension plan. There's no outcome. The best way to get out of it is to do so, like the Cardi B's and, and I can name a number of other people that got out of it. That's the best you know, way to survive it. Otherwise, like I said, you're just going to go down a dark path where it's going to be... You know, a lot of them fall into drugs. They fall into, they go to jail because it's, you know, it's illegal. Not so much the stripping, but because they don't really give them a salary and they take their tips and sometimes they just don't get the money. Most of the time it leans over into prostitution, like 90% of the time. They won't, you know, people don't really confess that, but 90% of the time that's what's going on.
1: Now, I know you worked in the industry a lot. Um right. A lot of prostitution and sex trafficking goes on in the industry as well. How is it ways that women can protect themselves to not get in those situations? Because some women can go in there and that's not their intention but they find themselves getting involved in it and end up getting deep into it not even knowing they were manipulated and mind games were played with them to get into it. I
0: would say, sadly, it's your decision making. You know, sometimes, like you said, I think they have, I forgot what the term is called, but even with video vixens and when, you know, when they go to for different jobs and they take advantage of them and you kind of, you know, and, and people get desperate and they just want, they figure that if they do this, they're going to be able to heighten their careers. So, you know, it's pretty much they have to, they have to figure themselves what's right from wrong you know, the younger you are, the harder it is, but the older you get, you kind of know. And now that's why they have that, the me too coming out, you know, that, that movement that they had the me too, because as years go on, these women knew a lot of times that it was wrong, but they were trying to level up and, you know, in entertainment. So I would just say, it's their decision-making. If you don't want to go down that route, most of the time you're not winning, you're not going to win. You know, they're just going to take advantage of you and then they're going to toss you aside. So there's some people in the, the industry that are very successful and didn't, you know, didn't do that. They would turn down certain jobs and just prey on it.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. When you were writing this book, did you ever like hit a point like, no, I'm not going to put that in there. That's too much.
0: I actually didn't put a lot of stuff in there. And um, <laughs> see, it's a lot. It's a lot to, for lack of a better term, square people. Because, you know, people like, I would say, okay, you and other people are going, whoa, that's a lot. But I've had a couple of actual people in the industry, the adult entertainment industry hit me up and they're like, oh, that's nothing. It's watered down. You didn't put actually anything in it. And it is kind of light. You know, it doesn't seem like it is, but it, it's not that much. I just tried to really touch on the points and let them know kind of where it could go. And I didn't want to really damage the people that was in the book because it is real people lives. And I didn't want to. Part two is going to be much juicier. Let's just say that.
1: I was getting ready to say, I think you're going to making your part two a lot more. <laughs>
0: yeah, going to be much juicier. Yeah.
1: That is so what what was that moment when you was like I need to write a book about this? Well, as I was as I was going through it, just like
0: people you hear the term people say my life is something else I need to write a book about it. Well, yeah. I knew this was something else, you know, way off of what I was what I was normally used to. So, once I started going through that period in my life and what I was going through, I was trying to build a country club and so on and so forth, but all of the stuff that was coming out of the woodwork I knew that I had to document it and it came out in a journal form and that's how the book was formatted. That's why I call it Diary of a Pimp's Wife.
1: Did you find it being therapeutic for you to release certain things that you haven't thought about and talked about in a long time from putting it in the book? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. When I reread it, a lot of things brought tears to my eyes because actually living it then it helped, you know, took me took me back in time and I was reminiscing, you know, it's a journey that the readers go through with you. But for me, it was like going back in time and some of, some of the things I couldn't capture in the book, like the actual feelings that I had was very painful. You know, and that's what made me put it in the book because I, I just, you know, I was on the outside, really on the outskirts of it. And these girls were actually in the trenches. So I could imagine what they was going through and they were so young and it, it was just so impactful for their lives. And I didn't see not one of them really, you know, coming out of it just successfully other than the ones they get out of the lifestyle. If they remain, I just see, saw these people wither away to nothing until everything was taken away from them. Not so much just because of the pimps or but the game in itself is just it just tears you apart. Wow. Yeah. And it just broke my heart.
1: I bet. How did you feel about yourself as an individual after writing this book? Because you have to, you have to analyze and look at yourself and look how far you've come.
0: I'm just glad I was able to make it through, you know, because at times, at times I felt victimized myself. You know what I mean? I felt like I was a victim as well. Looking back on it, at the time, I didn't because you know I'm a strong individual, and then I didn't have to I didn't have to survive the same way a lot of them did. They were in the streets, they were displaced women, and they were doing what they could just to put food on the table or the roof over their head. And I wasn't coming from that aspect of it, but just being around them, I still was going through somewhat domestic violence and different things just to survive myself and to remain there where I thought I was pulling them out, but I lost so many. I lost so many of them, and you know that really breaks my heart. I don't know if you made it through the end of the book, but that's pretty much what I said.
1: Did you feel like you needed therapy or anything after writing the book? After you opening up so many wounds, you know what?
0: Uh, As far as therapy, I know I've heard other people say, and I probably am you know similar in thought to them. Black people really. Do therapy. You know, we yeah. go through so much, you know, yeah. coming from the hood and coming from those lifestyles. We just just go through it. And I believe now because I'm receiving my peace and everything, this is therapeutic for me. And then yeah. um writing that book was a way of purging. And now I then a lot of prayer because we do that. You know, we work right. with our God. Yes. He's amazing. He's amazing how he flushes you. <laughs> and so, so I would say that that was pretty much how I, you know, got my therapy because I, I can't see just talking to someone. I don't know, you know, I don't know what they do. You talk to them, you tell them your business. I, I, you know, I talk to family and we go back and forth on, you know, issues and stuff like that. And we talk about it. So if, that's mean, how it's about, the,
1: it's about the same thing, <laughs> it's About the same thing, but sometimes talking to a stranger, you'll get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. On different things because you really haven't thought about it that way. Probably, so yeah. Feel a different outlook compared to friends and family telling you something they're not going to tell you in debt, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> so, like speaking to a therapist, I felt the same way you did as far as speaking to a therapist and stuff. I'm like, I'm not about to do that. But. <laughs> But it was it was really it was different. It was helpful, you. But I had to meet a strong woman mm. to do it. Though you have to be compatible with that person, okay. Because you know I'm I'm like real like cutthroat and strong and independent and everything. So I had mm-hmm. to have someone to match that in the sense too. Your therapist, you mean?
0: Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. yes. okay, okay, okay. It couldn't be wimpy and help you. No,
1: no, no. I, can't. <laughs> no. I understand. You know, you'll find yourself like, you can't help me. Right, 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 right. Sometimes people show their weaknesses, and when you can overlook their weaknesses to a point, you could take control of it. Mm. I, I, can't, I can't talk to you. Okay, I got you. <laughs> But but that's good that you can still you know what I'm saying feel good about it about yourself and everything. So as far as everything else, when you gonna start working on part two? Actually, I did, and then I had um some flack from I had some flack from some of the
0: people in the book, so I stopped a little bit. But it's still coming through. It's cause, cause it's a lot of stuff in my brain, and it's a lot of stuff that was much deeper that I didn't put and um and I wanted and I left a lot of cliffhangers. And I need people to know what happened to these girls. Like, we do know what happened to one of them. But the other ones, their lives are just, you know, was kind of swinging in the balance. And I just want to let them know what exactly has happened to these people unless they get out of that lifestyle. Right. Right.
1: Right. Has that caused you from people being upset? And it caused you to bring a pause into everything? Not really. I've just,
0: at this point, what I'm doing... I'm in the middle of actually promoting
1: this first book.
0: So it's taking a lot of my time, you know, because okay. producing it is one thing. But when you're independent, I'm working, of course, with Wahida Clark Publishing mm-hmm. Presents. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with Wahida, right? And I'm um, shout yeah. out to Nicole Brown as well. She's the publicist. They've done a, an excellent job helping me. But when you're not coming from a major, then you do a lot of the work to try to put the book out. So that's why I really appreciate this platform and helping us get the word out of, about this book. You know, because we wanted to get it into many hands as possible because it is, from what I understand, a page turner. I'm glad people are enjoying it, but I hope that they also take the lessons from it because I need them to spread the awareness out to these young girls and grab them back and take their hands. Because a lot of them are just lost. You know, they come some actually from the some actually in the book came from great families. So it's not so much just the runaways and so so on and so forth. It's just that if you get this turd and these men are out there and they pull you in the wrong direction, you can definitely go down the wrong path. So, you know, some of the lessons I try to put in there so that you can stay closer to these young girls because they are our future. They're having the next generation. So that's the main thing. I just was so hurt for the the girls. They're so vulnerable.
1: Yes, they are. They Mm -hmm. are. I could see I could see a movie in the future. <laughs> you know,
0: I had a couple of directors hit me up. So like I said, I need a part two so that it could be a full story. You know, not that this isn't, but it leaves you wanting more. So we need to make sure that we put it all together and have you satisfied.
1: Yes, because just chapter one alone, you just got straight to the point. You ain't hungry homo- <laughs> or nothing. <laughs> Oh my dang, she's just
0: going to come out hard like this? (laughs) Really? See, it's just coming, you know, it's just coming. I'll tell you, God put pen to the paper because this is my first actually book, my first novel. And I just went ahead and wrote, like I said, I took excerpts from a journal and then I put it all together and then I switched back and forth. You know, flashback. It's written in flashback form. Yeah. So I flashback informed to you know from the beginning how it all started, and then I took you current to what was going on. Did you get that feel?
1: Yes, it's it's really dope though because it. I could say for me, reading it, I had a vision of it. You know, you see New York, you see the hood, you see like you can actually if I'm I love reading, so I love reading books, so I love awesome. reading. I love bringing a vision to what I'm reading. So awesome. You actually brought that in the fact that you got straight to the point. Because some, some books, they will just drag ass until the end. And you'll be like, okay, when they going to start? <laughs> you really just got straight to the point. And that's what a lot of people need because you already grasped everybody in the first five pages. Okay. So it, it, it creates you to want to read more about it anyways because Great. of how you did it. I would, I would recommend, I think you should do an audio. Do you hear that, Miss Waheed
0: O'Clock? If you're listening, we need to do an audio.
1: Yes, I, I feel like an audio will bring so much more dramatic and drama. We, we were working on that. We were looking to see who we were. who who we want to read it.
0: We were trying to work with a celebrity. We're still filling it out. I'm sure we still have time because the book book just came out March, the middle of March on my birthday, like March 15. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure that they still have, we still have time for that. I think I've seen, you know, the way that they release things, you know, they release it a little later and they try to give this some time to sell.
1: Because seriously, like your book is like, I don't want you to sit on it. I don't want you to give up on it. I want you. Thank to you. I want you to like keep pushing it because the fact that you're having this conversation, you're having conversations that people are afraid to have. Yeah. And, and people that don't want to hear it. True. And the fact that in today's society, like prime example, I live in Ohio, and in like two weeks so far, we got thirty. Missing teens. Oh yeah, that's horrible. You know, and and sex trafficking is really heavy in Ohio, mm-hmm. especially like at our turnpikes and in Cleveland and stuff. Girls is always coming up missing. But the fact that you have this type of book, I just feel like you should just put like keep pushing it because it will be noticeable. Even the fact of just I don't know if you have a TikTok. But do. If, you, if you just dramatize it and put it out there more, like do a part one, part two, because they do that a lot on TikTok to put people's work out there. And I, I feel like you, you have a winner here. Thank you.
0: <laughs> I, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm working for, like I said, the marketing part of it so that I could, so I could get it into more hands. Cause every hand that I do get it into, they love it. They Talk, you know, they some people have actually put up reviews for me that are not even bloggers. They put up nice reviews for me and everything. They love the yeah. book. They um, are, are happy that I was very transparent, you know, because that's what you have yeah. to do. You have to speak your truth in order for people to actually feel it and it to resonate with people. And I, you know, I did the best I could because, like I said, I have a mission for why I did it. Yeah. I let people see through me.
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm make sure I read the rest of it and do a review. Absolutely. Do a review on my TikTok. Please, <laughs> please. Let me know what your TikTok is too. Yes, it's Life Her Podcast. Life her podcast. And mine, and mine is
0: just Cameron Joy.
1: Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look- follow you
0: though. I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna follow you.
1: Okay, yes, because you you have something really amazing. And I want you to cherish it too. Cherish it, make sure you have ownership of it and everything because a lot of times people will see your vision before you see it. Right. I got you. Because this is normal to you, but when they see it, it's not normal to them. They see it bigger. And that's, that's how I see it really big for you. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A couple of people, like I said, did, you know, a couple of actual good directors that have been in the industry for a while, reached out to them immediately just on the, um, the beautiful cover and everything. And then the, um, the title I picked the title myself. Nice. You know, it's it you know it spoke to me because it's you know it's definitely in line of what the story is. Yeah, they said that that's to them that was a movie and without them even reading it. So yes. reading it, you, you definitely will feel exactly where I'm coming from.
1: Yes, I'm. I'm gonna be looking out for more.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> Do you have any book signings coming up, tours, or anything? I'm working on it. I did have um, an issue, you know, a book release
0: event that turned out really well. People came out in numbers. I was, you know, surprised. I didn't have it in the metropolitan area. I had it in the suburbs and people traveled all the way from the city to come out. So I'm still trying to land in the city. I'm, I really wanted to saturate the tri-state. I'm in New York, you know. Right, And I was trying to saturate the Tri-State. So I had a couple of book signings in Queens. I'm still trying to hit Harlem because I have a bunch of, you know, people in Harlem. So, but what I'm, you know, they're hitting me up online. I'm going to the mailbox every day doing mail-ins because I haven't actually went out. And I'm looking, I was going to try to do a blog tour. Like I said, a lot of this is on me. I, I'm very thankful for Nicole. She's been instrumental. And Wahita, you know, they've given me some, you know, some structure But it's just so much a lot to this, as you know, you know, it's a big business. Books are a big business and there's just so many formalities to it. I am trying to work on, you know, going to different states and speaking to different people and trying to get this book out to them. And the people are helping as well. They're online every day. But, you know, it's so compact. I need a broader, you know, I need a broader platform to get it out. This is really helpful because you're sharing it with your audience and I didn't know you were in Ohio. That's excellent. You know, that takes it out of my little New York core. Yeah, we need to hit all of those states and uh, and I'm just trying to figure out how to do that. I, prior to this, I was working with a lot of um, promoters because I work with artists. I don't know if you saw my Instagram page.
1: Yeah. Is, is Instagram
0: kind of passe? Because you went right to TikTok. I mean, I do have a TikTok, but I'm still just doing my little Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> now okay. I exist. Elevate! <laughs> I, get
1: over there. I, love, I just love TikTok. I don't know why. It's, it's so informative. You just mm-hmm. learn so much. And I just like how regular people have a platform on there. You right. don't see celebrities only, you know? Right, right. You need those regular people. Right, right. Get bigger, you know, and you know, you can have a celebrity here and there, but it's some everyday people that, that'll get you where you need to go. Those are people. That's true.
0: They're the actual people that are purchasing it. I need better content. I'm going to be honest about that. So what I probably, I'm sorry. I was going to tell you that. (laughs) I do. I I do. I need better content. I need it to be inviting and, you know, so. See, that's a whole nother form that you have to work on. That's the, you know, what I mean, yeah. that's the, the little mark. That's the marketing, and then you have to set up the tour. It's just so many facets to to the game, and it's here now. And it's like we're we're scrambling to get this, you know, in the hands of all the right people. Yeah, but yeah, but uh, word of mouth is so helpful too. It so is. each person that I put it in hands, the more they talk about it, you know, is great because people, when I do, you know, reach out to some of them, when they get in touch with me, they say, I heard so much about it. But like I said, it's still just kind of bubbling under in parts of New York. I needed to really, you know, because New York is one of the meccas and it, it, it hits hard here, then it kind of, branch, it'll branch out. So I'm working on it. That's you know, it's nice. so only, it's two months. It's been two months and it's getting
1: a little bit of traction. Yeah. You <laughs> know, <laughs> you you you're gonna be blowing by time the gear over with. Okay. <laughs> that's what I want to hear.
0: That's what I'm talking hey, about. I want gotta, this book to do it not only just for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, but
1: I claim it, own it. Amen. Amen. Like, like seriously and just keep going because sex trafficking, prostitution, pimping, all of that stuff go on now. It, it mm-hmm. it's not it don't go nowhere.
0: No, it's
1: plaguing so, our communities. Yeah, it's it's just it's taking our young girls out, and now even our young men, transgenders, mm-hmm. all of that. It's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. it's just huge now, and it's just so common to a point people got comfortable with it and think it's normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just long as you keep advocating it and putting true stories out there it'll hit reality for a lot of people for them to actually know what's really going on
0: yes that's what the problem is people are not they don't really know the behind the scenes no they know you know even like like i said to them everybody loves a strip club but they kind of know they don't want their daughters to become strippers And they don't know what goes on in those strip clubs. You know, I have, you know, I'd love for you to, like you said, continue to read because I have some parts in there to let you know exactly what goes on inside of there, too. You know, some of the things that women go through, you know, just so that they could eat. I probably, you know, I'm going to save this jewel for the next book, but it's against the labor laws. They do stuff that's against the labor laws, and that's big. And some Actual young ladies that were smart enough, or I guess, had family that was smart enough, you know, had class action suit against them. But I, you know, I won't put too much of that out. I want to write it so that I could actually put yeah. step by step what's wrong.
1: Wow, oh. mm-hmm.
0: that is
1: amazing. Well, thank you so much for your company tonight, and I, I just love your energy. I love what really you're doing. likewise. Yes, and you, you're doing an amazing job, and I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you everyone for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly.